This is Baja SAE Shop Talk, the official podcast of the Baja SAE series. Welcome to the seventh episode of Baja SAE Shop Talk, the official podcast of Baja SAE. I'm your host, Amanda Petrakowski, University Program Developer at SAE International. And today we're talking to Marty Gordon, who is the Baja SAE Rochester organizer, also the faculty advisor for RIT's Baja team. We'll be talking to Marty about what's going on with the competition this year, what everyone can expect. So hi, Marty. Hi, Amanda. How are you? Um, We're doing good. We're busy wrapping up the season. We'll be flying from Rochester to Lincoln, and that'll be it for us. How is everything going on the ground there? It's going well now. It was pretty warm over the weekend, but two weeks ago, we actually had snow on the ground. So it's a good thing that this is the last event of the year. That brings me to my first question then. What's the weather looking like for a competition? Well, it's interesting. Yesterday, I took a look at the extended forecast, and um, there's 80% chance of rain all four days, which uh, will make for a real muddy event, perhaps. So uh, all the teams should be maybe thinking about uh, how they would prepare their teams and their vehicles for a nice muddy event. I believe last time we were there, it was a little bit muddy too. So teams that were there last competition round, they'll be experiencing very similar things. It, it depends on what the weather gods do. But, uh, but like I said, right now it looks like a strong chance of rain, but that can change uh 10 times before the event hits. The The good thing is our static days, which are going to be Thursday and Friday, are being held in the Gordon Fieldhouse, no relation to me, um, at RIT. And it's a, <laughs> it might be, a, actually, I, I'm bending the truth a little bit. It might be slightly related to me. It's a nice dry venue, and the teams can come in out of the weather with their vehicles and all the design judging is being done in the field house on Friday. And on Thursday, we have sales presentations going on over in the engineering college on campus. And obviously that's being done indoors in a nice classroom setting. So um, even though the weather might be bad Thursday and Friday, we'll be protected and we'll only have to worry about Saturday and Sunday. Cool. So we have two separate sites for your event. Uh, at the RIT campus, and then we'll be moving out to Hogback Hill, the motocross track. So teams should be preparing to move paddocks once during their time at competition. Is there anything else that we should know or teams should know about being at the Gordon Fieldhouse? So parking or paddocking or anything like that? Um, I would say pay attention to the schedule to see when the paddocks open. There's many different entrances to campus, and if one of the entrances seems to be backed up, which I don't think it will be, um, just try another entrance. There's also quite a, a large length of campus roadways before you reach the paddock areas. So if queuing is needed, you would be off the main highways. Uh, and that works pretty good for safety as well. Great. So then when we move to Hogback Hill, is there anything that teams need to know about how that paddocking will go from one location to another. Yeah, the one key thing is we are, and this is something we're doing a little bit differently this time, is the paddocks will be opening for a period on Friday night. Basically, um, again, check the schedule. We'll be doing paddocking until the sun starts to set, and then we are going to close off the paddocks until Saturday morning 
early. If teams are planning on moving from Rochester, RIT, to Hogback Hill, they'll need to plan ahead and not leave too late on Friday evening. And for our design final teams, those who they have been in the design finals and expect to be in the design finals, what should they know about paddocking? Man, a great point. We are reserving some prime pit locations for the teams that do make it into design finals. I know in the past, uh, teams that have made it into design finals uh, have had some issues getting good paddock locations because they're in design finals. So we're trying to eliminate that uh, problem by saving some you know, good locations for those teams. And really, the paddocks out at Hogback Hill uh, are in a location that uh, all of them are pretty good. And I think teams that haven't been there before will be uh, pr- pleasantly surprised. Yeah, that's awesome. Another benefit to really taking the static events seriously. So uh, we were excited to hear that as well. Let's talk about your dynamic events Hogback Hill is a motocross track, but not all of your dynamic events are located within the motocross track itself. I know you guys have a pretty unique suspension course. Uh, What can first-timers to your event expect from the dynamic events? Well, we can start off with the, uh, I'll say the simplest dynamic event, which is acceleration. Um, Acceleration will be held on a uh, flat-level grassy course. So it will be a grass surface and that might be interesting if the weather comes in and the grass is soggy, the course may deteriorate through the day. So I know teams like to run acceleration first thing, and if the weather is a factor, then that's even more more an issue. Moving on to hill climb. Uh, hill climb for teams that have been at Rochester before, hill climb will be in the same area. It's a hill climb that is nothing like what we saw out in California. Uh, nowhere near the length or the terrain. It's a very steep hill on the motocross track, so it will be dirt. Maneuverability is going to depend on the weather. One of the issues that we did have last time in Rochester was we ended up having run times that were a little bit too long on maneuverability, and we will be keeping an eye out for that. And if we need to shorten the course, we will we will make those corrections prior to starting the event. Uh, you had asked about suspension and traction. Uh, suspension and traction is actually held on a kiddie course at the motocross track. And we always like to add uh, some nice surprises, some pretty harsh terrain to really test the Baja vehicle. So I would say, teams, be ready for some fun. Be ready for some repairs on Saturday night. And uh, let the best team win. I think last time we were in Rochester, we only had three teams complete the suspension course. Do you have a prediction for how many you'll get through this year? That happens on occasion. Sometimes the course becomes a little tougher than we had planned. So hopefully at least one team finishes maybe, but uh, no guarantees there. It's going to be a tough, challenging suspension course. That's the Jason Rounds prediction, one team. In the past, you guys have held a food drive in conjunction with the competition. How can teams find out more about that? Yeah, that's become sort of a signature of our event, and uh, this is our fifth time hosting. First time was back in uh, 2005. That's in the modern era. RIT actually hosted back in the early 80s as well, but we won't count that one. So ever since we started re-hosting in 2005, we've asked teams to bring uh, non-perishable food to the race and donate that to the local food bank. And I think this year, more than ever, that food bank is is looking for our help. 
The teams will be dropping that food off as they paddock out at Hogback Hill. So even if you come on Thursday or Wednesday and you've forgotten to purchase some food, you can go out to uh, the local grocery stores and buy some canned goods or rice or beans or um, whatever it is you'd like to contribute. And we like to set as a guideline, because I always get this question, how much food should we donate? My stock answer is as much as you'd like, but a guideline is to donate about a pound to two pounds per member on your team. So that equates to uh, one or two cans per team member that are going to be participating. So we should end up with uh, quite, a, quite a quantity of food. In the past, we've given out awards for teams that have donated the most food. I'm not sure if we're doing that again yet this year, but it's just a nice thing to do. And, you know, the teams are working really hard on their own vehicles, but they need to understand that there's some folks out there that, that really can't even put food on the table. So it's nice to support them as well. So like you said, this is something unique to your competition, but your Baja team, they're consistently mentioned in the the good guys awards list. How does that come about from a team perspective Uh, as their faculty advisor? Have RIT always been that way? Ever since I've been faculty advisor, I've tried to establish a culture of caring and respect uh, and specifically mutual trust and respect. Um, I think when we first started, just like every other team, we were we were a little bit concerned with just getting something built, and we didn't really pay much attention to how we were treating one another. But it soon it soon became apparent that hey, you know, the better we treat each other and the better we treat our fellow teams, the better it is for everybody. We also had some trips that we made down to uh, the Brazilian competition where it was extremely competitive. And it was each team for itself. And we didn't really like that. And, and by the way, as a side note, Brazil is no longer like that. They've sort of taken on the climate of helping each other. And we'd like to think that's partially because of us because we travel to Brazil and the Brazilian teams come up here and they see how we're handling things. So um, we've always tried to help teams compete. We used to have a team member that said this a lot better than I'm about to say it, but we're not ready to race unless the last team is out on the course ready to race. We want to help everybody get ready, and we want to help everybody try to do their best. It's just the culture we establish here, and the team pretty much knows that, and they take it from there. That culture, I think, is one of the things that makes Baja different than a lot of other uh, design competitions out there across the board, not just SAE competitions, but uh, in general. There's a certain air of... uh, Maybe, maybe camaraderie. Everybody wants to see everybody else compete. And that's really a unique thing. And it really is one of the things that sets Baja students apart from all other engineering students. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think there were also, at one point not too long ago, there were some teams that had bad reputations. And I made a point of going to talk to those teams. I said, hey, look, you know, it's not all about winning. This is an educational experience. And uh, honestly, a lot of teams don't like how you're behaving. And they took that to heart and they've changed. So um, I don't know that there's any teams out there right now that aren't, aren't exactly like we are. We, you know, there's a lot of teams that now care about each other and will do whatever it takes to help, you know, their competitors uh, get on the course and, and do as good as they can. I agree with you. I think that is spreading across all of the teams. And uh, I love it when I hear teams come up to me and ask me to specifically go and recognize another team, especially when it's the top level teams who, like you said, are 
really making sure that they're just as competitive as they were at the previous competition. And they, they certainly are working their hardest to place in the top 10 or whatever they, they have done in the past and do better than that. But at the same time, they're also spending time helping teams that are not in the top 10. And, you know, I just had a story from California, a team that needed help and they ended up finishing endurance. They came with a car that they probably weren't going to finish endurance with. And uh, all of a sudden they're finishing out, you know, 20 something laps. So that's really cool to see that happening too. And it's a direct result of teams like yours and the other top teams that are helping uh, mid-level teams really learn how to compete more off of course than on the course even, you know? Yeah. But, but I also would like to emphasize that it's not only the top teams. I think it's every team. I think uh, unless it's a first time team that doesn't understand the culture, I think any team will give to the, to their ability to help other teams. And it, it just reminded me of a story back at the first event that we went to with our resurrected team in 1997. We went to an event North of Montreal and by the way, this was a water event, and it was snowing. And we had an individual on our team who actually disappeared. He went off to help some other teams, and, and here we were. We were a first-year team. We couldn't even get our car to pass tech, and he's off helping other teams. And maybe that was where the culture first started from. And uh, I remember the team manager at the time, or the president, Jason Rounds, getting pretty mad at this guy. It's like, where the heck did you go? He goes, oh, this other team needed help, so I figured I'd go help him. And that was the start of, I think, RIT helping other teams before we could even get on the course ourselves. There you go. It started from the beginning of the resurrected team. 1997. Speaking of that era of team, third event of every year, we give away the Mike Schmidt Award. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and why it's special to you guys to hand it out at your event every three years? Sure, sure. I'll give you a little history. Mike Schmidt was one of the founders of the Resurrected Team. And it was really, you know, Mike Schmidt and Jason Rounds and a few other people that got RIT team back uh, going again. And Mike had a dream. Mike Schmidt had a dream. He wanted to attend all three North American events. And he was very vocal about that. He was also a person that, uh, you know, was one of the leaders of trying to help as much as we can. And, and Mike was all about good sportsmanship. He was a diehard uh, Chicago Blackhawks fan, for whatever that's worth. But Mike wanted to uh, see the team go to all three events, and we, we did. Uh, back a couple years after we started, we attended all three events. And unfortunately, um, around 2000, uh, Mike had gone home for spring break and was involved in a tragic car accident and passed away. The team was shocked by that. Um, he was about a month away from graduating with his degree, and um, we thought we should do something to remember Mike. So Mike's family and myself and some other people at RIT presented to SAE a proposal to have basically a, an award that represented the best of the best, measured by how well a team does at all three North American events. And that was the beginning of the Mike Schmidt Memorial Iron Team Award. Usually his um, family is in attendance. Will we be seeing them as well this year? Yeah, they always make an attendance at the Rochester race. His father is usually one of the presenters of the award. And I know one of the things that uh, Mike, Michael Schmidt, uh, Mike's father, is going to really love about this race coming up is if it is muddy 
And if it is mucky, he's going to love that because uh, that's what he always remembers the so-called Midwest race as being, as being mud. And Michael Schmidt was the one that a long time ago came up when we used to have the East, Midwest, and West races. He always used to say, East is water, Midwest is mud, and West is rocks. So he's going to get his wish for the mud this year, it looks like, at this point. Yeah, for sure. It definitely seems to have been true this year. Since teams will be having dinosaur barbecue at your event, as we always do, what's another thing that teams need to eat, see, or do other than the dinosaur barbecue while they're in the area? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know if they'll have time to do anything else. Uh, this is the last Baja. <laughs> I would say the one main thing they should all try to do is come to the awards banquet. It's free. There's a lot of giveaways. The food is good. They get to see the famous ice sculpture of the Baja vehicle. And uh, why go home early? I mean, come to the come to the awards banquet. Have a good time. It's in the field house again. And there's no reason for people to be missing that event. And they actually get to change out of their muddy clothes because it's in the evening. So there's a little bit of time to uh, go and change and clean up a little bit. So that's different than a lot of uh, of our award ceremonies, as you know. So absolutely, no and excuses. Yeah, and, that, and again, that's where we hand out the Mike Schmidt Award. And it's not only about the awards. It's about supporting the other teams. And it's about being there and cheering for the other teams and seeing what's possible. And I really feel strongly that uh, teams should not leave. They should always go to the awards banquet, whether you're going to get an award or not. You should go to the awards banquet to show respect and to and, you know, interact with the, with the rest of the teams. I would say have fun, prepare, be ready for anything, and be nice to one another, especially SAE. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We don't really control any points or anything, but we can get you answers no. to questions. Yeah, be, or be <laughs> nice to the volunteers, right? They're not getting Seriously. paid. Yep. Right? Be nice to the volunteers. When you're having a difficult moment at competition, it really makes a difference when you approach a volunteer or even SAE or, or you as an organizer. Even though you're frustrated, you're approaching with kindness and you're approaching out of understanding. We all know how hard these teams work all year long to make this competition. And, uh, you know, like you said, sometimes things don't go as planned. So I do think there is a, something to be said for coming out and speaking with respect. And a smile goes a long way, even when you're frustrated. These volunteers are giving up their time and their time with their family, their time at work, their vacation time to come out and make these competitions possible. So we want to thank you as an organizer because you're also a volunteer and uh, your whole team there on the ground getting this competition ready. Any final words? Yeah, I, I just had a thought, and that is, uh, you know, keep in mind that this is an educational competition. And the more that goes wrong, the more you will learn. Yep. So if you want to learn the most, hope for a lot of stuff to go wrong, <laughs> and you are going to learn a ton. All right. Well, with that, this wraps up this episode, and uh, we'll see everyone at Rochester in a few days. Thanks, Marty. Thanks for listening to Baja SAE Shop Talk. As always, we want to hear from you, so email BajaSAE at SAE.org. The show notes for this episode, as well as all others, can be found at www.bajasae.net slash podcast. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next episode.